What's up, everybody? This is the Locked On Yankees podcast, your daily podcast covering the New York Yankees. We are brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Stacey Gotsoulias. You can follow me on Twitter at Locked On Yankees or at Stace Gotts. As always, you can listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. And you can play Locked On Yankees on your smart speakers by saying, play podcast Locked On Yankees. You can also email questions or comments to LockedOnNYY at gmail.com. In today's episode of Locked On Yankees, we'll recap the Yankees' win over Minnesota, look at J.A. Happ's performance, update you on Aaron Judge. At this point, I might as well just name the second segment of the show after him because I'm always talking about him during that part of the show. So let me know if any of you have a clever name for it. We'll discuss tonight's matchup and we will take a look around the league as things are getting very interesting in the NL Central and NL wildcard races. Now, before we get into the recap of last night's game, I'd like to acknowledge a boo-boo I made during yesterday's podcast. I said the Yankees were 82 and 21 against the Twins since 2002. They were 82 and 31 against the Twins since 2002. And thanks to last night, they're now 83 and 31 against the Twins. And if you factor in playoff games, they're 96 and 33 against the Twins these last 16 years. That's just incredible. I would also like to apologize to Gary Sanchez. I'm sorry I spoke badly about you, and I, I'm really glad you had a positive night at the plate last night. So the Yankees won their 90th game of the season by beating the Twins again, thanks to a late offensive explosion and a dominant J.A. Happ. Kyle Gibson started for the Twins, and just like the last time he pitched against the Yankees, he stymied the Yankees' bats. On April 26th, he didn't give up a run in six innings, and he struck out 10. Last night, he held the Yankees to one run in five and two-thirds and struck out five. And just like the last time he pitched, Gary Sanchez played a big part in the Twins' demise. This time, Sanchez hit the lone home run or the lone run against Gibson in the form of a mammoth. 460-foot home run that reached the third deck in left field. It happened in the sixth inning, and it was the first run of the game. Then the floodgates opened in the top of the seventh. Gibson was replaced by Trevor May after Sanchez's home run and a walk to Greg Bird. He was then replaced by Alan Boosnitz to start the seventh. It didn't go well for Boosnitz. He opened the inning with back-to-back walks to Andrew McCutcheon and Aaron Hicks, then gave up back-to-back doubles to Miguel Andujar and Giancarlo Stanton. If you're counting at home, Miguel Andujar has reached 40 doubles on the year. Buznitz was then replaced by Andrew Vasquez, and Didi Gregorius hit a double off of him, so Paul Molitor marched out of the dugout and replaced him with Matt McGill, who gave up a single to Gary Sanchez and a walk to Greg Bird. The bases were loaded for Glaber Torres, who hit a single to score Gregorius. Meanwhile, Sanchez and Bird advanced one base to keep the bases loaded. Now, McGill got Gardner to strike out on a foul tip. Then McCutcheon hit a sack fly to score Sanchez. Hicks walked again, and then Andujar 
hit the ball really hard, but right at Gregorio Petit to end the inning. So the Yankees scored the touchdown and kicked the extra point to make it 7 nothing. Luis Sessa came into the game, and while he successfully wa- worked around a single in the bottom of the seventh to keep the game scoreless, his second inning didn't go as well. How come I know that Sessa shouldn't be in for more than one inning, but the manager doesn't? I realize they wanted to rest the main guys in the bullpen, but Sessa is, he's not great. And even with a seven run lead, just, I don't, don't use him. The the Twins scored two runs on the bottom of the eighth because Sessa gave up two singles, a double, and he threw a wild pitch. Jonathan Holder came in for the bottom of the ninth, and he set the Twins down in order. Yay, the Yankees win! So let's take a little bit of a dive into J.A. Happ's start. So he pitched six innings, he gave up six hits, no runs, he didn't walk anyone, and he struck out three to earn his 16th win of the season. He threw 91 pitches, and 61 of them were for strikes. Now, the breakdown of the types of pitches are as follows, and this is thanks to baseball savant. Hap threw 65 four-seam fastballs, which generated one swinging strike, 18 called strikes, and 14 foul balls. He threw 10 change-ups, and... One resulted in a foul ball. He threw 16 sliders, which generated one stringing, stringing, swinging strike, five called strikes, and a foul ball. And the hardest pitch he threw last night was a 94.3 mile an hour four seamer, which generated a foul ball off the bat of Mitch Garver in the fourth inning. So Hap has been really great, minus that one start since coming over to the Yankees and he is pitching his way into the wild card starter discussion. For more on that, you can go to lockedonyankees.com and read Matt Gregory's latest piece. Up next, we have an Aaron Judge update. We'll discuss Sonny Gray and the Yankees remaining schedule compared to that of the A's. But first, so we have another Aaron Judge update. According to Brian Hoke of MLB.com, Judge participated in on-field batting practice for the first time since his July 26th injury. He took five rounds in the cage. He hit several balls into the seats, including a deep drive that landed in the left field home run porch. And he also hit some balls to right center and right field. As for Judge... He told reporters he felt good. He felt great. He said it's another step forward, and he's just happy to be hitting outside, which means he's one step closer to playing in a game. He's scheduled to hit on the field again prior to tonight's game, but Aaron Boone said that there's no set date for Judge to face live pitching. So little by little, he's getting there, but... You know, we're, we have 18 games left in the season here, and um, he needs to face live pitching as soon as he possibly can. So tonight, Sonny Gray will be towing the rubber for the Yanks while the Twins are countering with Tyler Duffy. Uh, Duffy will be their opener. He's 1-2 and two 
with a nine ERA in 14 appearances. As I said in yesterday's podcast, Gray is 2-0 and with a 1.83 ERA in 19 and two-thirds innings since being moved into the bullpen. As for the batters, Logan Forsyth seems to have Gray's number. Warning, small sample size alert. <laughs> Forsyth has faced Gray eight times, but he's hitting 500 and has a home run and an RBI against him. On the flip side, in more small sample size shenanigans, <laughs> Eddie Rosario is hitting 182 against Gray in 11 at-bats. And this is the third time that the Twins will be experimenting with an opener to start the game. So I saw an interesting tweet right as I was getting ready to record the podcast. It was from Ben Kaback of River Avenue Blues. And it said, the A's have a really easy schedule to end the season, but if the A's go 11-7, and Oakland would have to go 14-4 and just to tie. I don't know about you, but I could see the A's going 14-4. and four. They've been on fire since late June. So this information actually scares me a bit because the Yankees have had trouble against the Rays. And they play them four times in Tampa in the second-to-last series of the year. They go to Tampa after their last homestand in which they will host the Blue Jays, Orioles, and Red Sox. They shouldn't have trouble against the Blue Jays and Orioles, but they were swept out of Boston the last time they played the Red Sox. And they play the Red Sox to end the season in Fenway. So 11-7 and is plausible. Going even worse is also plausible. So that worries me a bit. I really didn't want to have a reason (laughs) to take my anti-anxiety medication, but here we are. During the last 18 games of the season, they play Boston six times. I will be thrilled if they can go three and three. I'm also hoping that by the last weekend of the season, Boston is just going to be resting everyone because they're so far ahead in the AL East lead that they won't have any reason to go all out for those last three games and that the Yankees can actually beat their B and C lineup and starters and relievers. I mean, I realize how silly it is that I'm reacting like this, to a team that just won its 90th game of the season. But I can't help it. With Judge still out, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to me. And I'm worried about how they're going to do down the stretch. If Gary Sanchez can get on some sort of a roll after his performance last night, that would be a big boost to the team. He just missed a cycle, actually, last night. 
And again, the home run he hit was a bomb. And he basically golfed that ball and hit it 460 feet, which shows you how strong he is. So yeah, they need him to be right. They need Didi Gregorius to be right. Stanton to be right. I like how McCutcheon is playing so far and contributing to the team. Um, You know, walks and sack flies, occasional home run. You know, it's not like he came over to the team and didn't uh, hasn't done anything. So that was a good um, pickup for the Yankees. I like that move. Plus, he could spell Gardner in left because Gardner needs a little bit of a break. He is not playing well at all. So I think if Judge comes back, they can put McCutcheon in left and sit Gardner. Let's hope Judge comes back. And I know I say this every day, but let's just cross our fingers, our toes, our legs, our eyes, everything that you can cross that Aaron Judge makes it back in time to get into a groove at the plate. Because if he just comes back just in time for the wild card game, he's not going to look good at the plate. You just can't come back from an injury like that and start bashing home runs. So up next, we're going to go around the league. But first, so let's take a trip around the league, shall we? So the Rays won again. This time, it was a walk-off home run off the bat of G-Man Choi. It was their 12th straight win at home. Now, the Indians were leading 5-4 in the bottom of the ninth when Brad Hand, Brad, (laughs) I'm such a New Yorker, Brad Hand, their seventh reliever of the game, gave up the home run to Choi. Now, I should add that there were two outs when this happened. And I said it yesterday. I said that the Indians would be no match for that streak. Corey Kluber lasted one and two-thirds innings, and he last did that on June 26th. And the Indians pretty much played like Tampa because they had to use a bunch of relief pitchers to finish out the game. So if you look at the overall standings, Tampa is only one game behind Cleveland record-wise. So, so much for them tanking this season. Two games were postponed by rain last night, the Nats and Phillies and the Marlins and Mets. It just seems like the, the Nats run into rain problems no matter where they go. I mean, granted, Philadelphia isn't far from D.C., but you understand what I'm saying. It just seems like they're always having games postponed because of rain. Houston beat Detroit in Detroit 3-2, and former Tiger Justin Verlander picked up win number 15 on the season. Before the game, the scoreboard operator at Comerica Park had some fun with Verlander. They were showing a video of his greatest Tiger moments. And it looked like Verlander got a kick out of that. 
So in the intro, I mentioned the NL Central and NL Wildcard and how chaotic things were getting. So the Brewers beat the Cubs 3-2 in the first game of a crucial series between these two teams. Milwaukee is only a game back for the NL Central lead. The Cubs are hanging on precariously. (laughs) They are on a three-game losing streak, while the Brewers are in the midst of a four-game winning streak. So keep your eye on that series, because it has many implications, and just keep your eye on it. In the other interesting NL race, aside from the Central and the Wild Card, the NL West. So the Rockies beat up on the Diamondbacks last night, 13-2. So this is another crucial series between in-division rivals because the Rockies are currently in first place in the NL West, while the Diamondbacks are in third, three and a half games behind Colorado and two games behind the second-place Dodgers. So Arizona is in danger of not only falling out of the NL West race, but out of the wildcard race as well. St. Louis is taking up space (laughs) in the second wildcard slot right now behind the Brewers, and they're keeping up with Milwaukee. Uh, The Cards beat the Pirates 8-7. Thanks to the Braves and specifically Sean Newcomb and Ozzie Albus, the Giants are on a nine-game losing streak. I want to insert Ferris Bueller's mother and Principal Rooney saying nine times, but I don't know how to do that yet. But once I learn how to insert quotes and stuff into my podcasts, oh, you'll be hearing a lot of them. (laughs) So the Braves won the game 4-1, and Derek Rodriguez, son of Pudge, picked up the loss. And rounding out the scores last night. The Dodgers beat the Reds 10-6. The Royals beat the White Sox 4-3 in 10 innings. And the Rangers beat the Angels 5-2. So that's it for today's episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, I am your host, Stacey Gatsoulias. You can follow me on Twitter at StaceGotts. S-T-A-C-E-G-O-T-S. And once again, you can email us questions at LockedOnNYY at gmail.com or tweet us at LockedOnYankees. You can also rate this podcast on Apple and Google, and you can subscribe at Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you could be so kind, spread the word about our podcast to your fellow Yankee fans. Have a good day, everyone.